Hi hi. I'm Joshua Simon. I'm Kennedy Sung. I'm Sam Joe. And we are the, the SG Boys. Boys. That little gay podcast from Singapore. Subscribe and find us on Instagram at the SG Boys. Today's episode is going to be a really interesting one because we have three generations of Singaporean gay men in this room. We have little Kennedy who represents Are you Gen Z by the way? People are very uptight about definitions nowadays, so I'm like at the at the line between millennials into Gen Z. Yeah. <sighs> you are Gen Z lah, just say Gen Z! Born in the year 97, because some oh, people say Gen Z is like around 98, God. then some people say that millennials end around like 96, so I'm like around <laughs> that middle part. I yeah, mean, like, guy, nuts. Ninety-seven. That's a good year as well. Titanic came out ninety-seven. The Asian financial crisis happened in ninety-seven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Princess Diana died in nineteen ninety-seven. It was a very iconic year. Ooh. Mm. And Kennedy Sung was born. Hey. There you go. Yeah. I'm more than two decades older than you. Like that's crazy. I, w- I wanted to be like daddy, but <laughs> you should. <laughs> I'm a very special guest. Like a tree. I embrace my daddy status. Okay, I do. Okay, we're gonna get to that um, husky. <laughs> Deep voice. We kind of jumped the gun there. Yeah. Josh is like <laughs> panicking right now. No. Well, Samjo and I, we're millennials. Very much so. We're 90s kids. I'm not a 90s kid. I mean, I grew up in the 90s, but mm-hmm. I'm very proud of the fact that I was born in the 80s. Samjo, would you like to introduce our sexy hunk of a man who is sitting right next to Kennedy, making him sweat? Ooh, I love this. Yes. Okay, of course. Our extra special guest for today you may have seen him spin at one of the circuit parties or in the club pre-COVID days or you may also recognize his name as one of the brave souls who is currently appealing against the High Court's recent decision to retain Section 377A in Singapore he's fighting at the highest court to repeal 377A exactly you're right ready for repeal hashtag everything please give it up for Johnson DJ Bitkin is in the house y'all Bam, bam. Boot, boot. How do you feel today? I feel great. Thank you for having me here. I actually told Josh when he approached me that I had not listened to any of your podcast, but mm-hmm. right after mm-hmm. I went and I binged. Oh, did oh, you? you? Did. I did. Oh, and, you shouldn't and, have. <laughs> and oh my gosh. it's so good. I'm oh. re- I mean, seriously, like you guys. It's just so good to have the next generation of LGBTQ people come and like do things for the community in the way that they're talented in, you know. So um, really good. I really enjoy the podcast with um, Vandermis Jokin. Mm, yes. She was in my music video. So I love her. She's amazing. I thought the podcast about loneliness was very, very moving. That was, yeah, Yeah. like a couple of you. Can relate, right? Yeah, got emotional. I think Joshua said some really, really poignant, real comments in that podcast. That was really great. Yeah. I've known you through social media for a while now. Mm. I always see your remixes, especially back in the play days. Before, I guess, Taboo and Does Your Mother Know, DYMK? Yeah. There was play, and then before play was Happy. I don't know if you were around for that. No, I wasn't. That was in the early 2000s. Where was that, Happy? That was where play used to be. Oh, okay. Basically yeah. at the church. La. Next to Fairfield Methodist Church. Next to Church. Fairfield Methodist Church. <laughs> I love it. Good fences make good neighbors. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of us want to know what life was like before Tinder, Grinder jacked. 
How was it like being gay growing up? Oh my god, am I that old? I mean, you're only <laughs> slightly, just a tad. <laughs> Actually, how old are you? Uh? Okay, how young are you? Just, can that's, I rephrase that's it? Quite, I'm going to swallow my words. I am 46 this year. Beautiful. I was born in 1975, which makes me an 80s kid. I was around before Grindr, before Scruff, before all those apps, when it was IRC. Okay, can you explain IRC? Okay, so IRC stands for Internet Relay Chat. Okay. So what happens is everyone kind of congregates in this chat room. That time it was a dial-up. Then it makes this awful sound, right? I can relate. I remember that. And then it was like transferring data at like freaking 1KB per minute, right? So it's like so slow. It was all text, so there weren't any images. Mm-hmm. Everyone's profile was like, okay, fuck boy, <gasps> 27, 5 foot 9, or 174, whatever. And like, but that was how people would describe, describe themselves? themselves on their profile name. Was that how the whole stats thing came about, yes. where you name your height and weight, your age, exactly. ASL? We want to know what the person looks like. It was all quite exciting, mm-hmm. right? Because we didn't really have anything else to try to connect with someone. IRC, and then there was Friday.com. Okay. Mm. Right? And then the Friday.com had like a huge section that kept growing, and that's how people put your pictures there, but it would take two hours to load. <laughs> <laughs> because dial-up, right? Yeah, because dial-up. And then you had SGBoy.com, which became Trevi.com. Oh. Yeah, it was so the that OG was, Trevi. Which became really, really popular as well for the younger kids. Actually, when I started clubbing, play was closed already. (laughs) So I didn't actually use any of the forums. I started on Jack. Okay. I kind of took the stranger danger advice to the max. I was, I lied about my school. I lied about my, uh, like my background and stuff because I was like afraid that people like go and like find me and stuff. Like, so I was, I was like way opposite of not cautious. Yeah. I was like super cautious. Okay. Well, I'm sure that must have been even more intense when we didn't have these kind of profiles since everything was in text and you kind of have to like put a little listing out. Hi, I saw you at the train station today. You're Mm. wearing denim. And if it was you at 4.45, can you message me? Um, Oh, that's a little bit scary. (laughs) Yeah. How was it like going to meet someone? It wasn't safe. Okay. Because you did not have a photo to go by. Even if you did have a photo to go by, it could have been a fake photo, right? It's not like right now where you have Instagram and everyone kind of has that whole history of photos. So it's a little hard. I know people still fake it, right? But it's a lot harder. Back then, you didn't have anything to go by. Really just from what he typed. In this day and age, I had like a kind of a system to like weed out if someone's a catfish or if someone's like lying to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I get a photo and then I trade Instagram, I find them on Facebook, I see mm. their social media profiles, I, I ask them for their telegram. Can you send me more photos? Uh, I don't mind if it's a self-destructing photo. Just like So like there's a lot now for me to cross-check, but right. that wasn't available back then. No, not at all. And people are saying it's dangerous now, right? So you would usually almost always meet in a public place. You would never say, come to your house mm-hmm. and meet you there. It would never happen that way, right? Mm. So you would meet at a, maybe at a bus stop, taxi stand. Maybe you have a five-minute conversation, go grab a coffee. You would go home with that guy. It's still not safe. How much do you really know a person from just having a coffee? Yeah. Yeah. But that was the most you could do, right? I mean, you're really going on a lot of 
trust or blind faith, so to speak. And you could be really, really anonymous. It would be really hard to identify you. We didn't have a camera on our phones <laughs> at that time where we could take a picture of you, right. send it to my friend. You know, hey, I'm out with this guy. His name is, he lives here. We couldn't do that. Yeah, you can't really hold yeah, people really, accountable yeah. either. I mean, it's just so much unknown with that kind of setup. Did you encounter any surprise in that sense? Like when you showed up and, you know, you realized that the guy maybe wasn't who he made himself out to be. Or maybe it was a pleasant surprise. I don't remember any catfishes and I don't think you could even really call someone a catfish from a text description of right. himself. A bunch of numbers and stats, right? Yeah. Lean, swimmer board. What's the definition of that? Subjective, right? Right, right, right. right. You think I like about his height, bring a measuring tape and you just like stand there and then you just drop it. <laughs> yeah. But that's exactly what I mean. What if the guy was like 1.8 meters and you hold on, hold on, I have a chart. <laughs> no, and then he shows up and he's like no. Kennedy, then how? Oh, wow. <laughs> Hey, so I'm, much a, I'm short and proud. <laughs> I know he's. I know you're proud of it. That's why short pride. You can handle this. And of course, handling rejection would be very different as well compared to today, where you can kind of just swipe left, right? And mm. this, you never know that I swiped left on you instead of right. Whereas before, if you had to reject someone, it's in front of their face. Yeah. Yes. Do you kind of recall any kind of situation like that with you? Does anything stick out or has it all just kind of blurred out? Rejections were common. You would meet someone and then that person looks at you and is like, I'm not feeling, I just don't like the way you look or whatever. And I say, okay, bye. You know, maybe you have a conversation for like a couple of minutes and then you say, oh, actually, I got to go now. But it, know, was, it was understood as... It was understood okay. as like, yeah, I'm not interested anymore. The person's not interested anymore. I guess I still feel like that exists that in the happens, modern day. And right? like maybe not on Tinder, but on Grindr, what do people do? Block. Yeah, you talk to just, someone you don't like and you just don't give an explanation, block. You disappear. Just, you just disappear and then the person just can't find your profile anymore. Like, I don't know, I feel like that's more rude than rejecting someone, like telling them that you're not interested. Yeah. You know, like that's really quite like... But it's part of efficiency, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't invest the time. Yeah, and then like you gotta that. meet the person yeah. and then make it awkward. Technology has given us a way to like It's sped really things be... up so-called lah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather get rejected online than can you imagine I dress up for this guy and go all the way to the bus stop in my nice red top and then he left me at the bus stop <laughs> attention spans were longer you know now it's like if you want an alternative you have an alternative yeah. you can just go on to the next one very very quick if you are not interested you just buy and then next yeah. right now it's like very sex obsessed is it more right? sex obsessed now than before I feel it is because back then people were trying to also connect get to know friends because they felt alone excluded from friends from school because they were gay, they felt different. So they just wanted to find somebody, you mm. know, who was like them. There probably would be a significantly lower amount of out-of-the-closet gay men in Singapore. You see representation in the media now with the internet on Netflix where... Um, it's almost much easier to come out as well compared to before where everyone's kind of living in secrecy. Yes. I guess these kind of like expressions of your sexuality in that generation is not so like, I'm still I'm still like scared to hold hands in public, that kind of thing, you know. We all are. Yeah, 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 we all are. Yeah. But like in Singapore? Yeah, we I don't all know. all are scared. Right. Yeah. I don't know who's not scared. Mm. I've seen it with the girls. It's easier because they are more open about it. But mm. with the boys, it's not. Mm. It feels weird. 
Yeah, there are many layers when it comes to men. I mean, there's 377A, which we will get into. There's also sort of the masculinity of it being in question when two men hold hands compared to where girls. And then there's also sort of a fetishized approach when two girls hold hands as well. Mm -hmm. There was a period where I was dating someone and I did hold his hand in public. It was just the most liberating feeling. I told him it's almost like we're protesting the moment we're holding hands. You are. I know it's a scary thing to say, but it really is just being able to hold hands in public and not feel afraid and confidently walk through the room because you care about each other and you're both in it. It's a powerful feeling and it certainly is protest. Thankfully, things are a little bit easier now. We feel like we have our cues from, say, Ping Dot or Prout because a lot's been on the news for the past couple of years. Before Ping Dot did the gay community have someone to be that spokesperson who would write these press releases or stick up for everyone else or that one place where you can get information about what's happening in Singapore? I think everyone got that information from um, Friday.com. It's like a resource portal, portal, correct. So they had journalists who would write articles. Wow. I know a couple of friends who are slightly older than me and they started off writing for (laughs) Trevi and everything. So we would go there for... um, The hard-hitting stuff. Yes. What was happening in other Asian countries, for example. So it wasn't just about Singapore. It was about all of Asia. Stuart Coe. He was kind of like the spokesperson because of Friday.com. You know, maybe him, Dr. Roy Chan, the president of AFA. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's very important to have someone to look mm-hmm. to as sort of a pillar. I got to ask, Johnson, have you ever DJed at play? I'm pretty sure you have. Right? Yes, I have. It was just freaking wild when I was like 19, 20. What I heard was that there are platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because definitely. People, yeah, people yeah. will always be like, oh my God, Kennedy, if you were around doing play, I know that you're the kind who go and dance on a platform, that kind. And there was a stage. It was that place where if you want to be seen or you want to drop it like it's hot, you go up on stage. Because mm-hmm. you know, it's always going to be, there was a culture to it where at the start of the night, no one's on stage. Mm-hmm. Everyone's in their little clicky corners. Mm-hmm. And then when they start playing Lady Gaga, the moment you hear, mom, 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 okay, everyone starts mm-hmm. running already. Right? Everyone starts running and then they go up on the stage. A couple of people, then more people, then more people. Then it's all the way spilling over to the front. And then everyone is just like making out and the wall at the back was neon lit. Oh, I'm having all these memories of memories I was a of little who bit, you made out with, is it? That period, everyone was still kind of figuring out who they were. Right, you so know? Who do you make out with? And it was just a lot of... be figuring out who they were. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean by that? It was... <laughs> It was some of the best clubbing nights of my entire life because I think when play closed down, going to Taboo and Tantric was just very different. And and I didn't have those kind of wild eccentric nights in Singapore in gay clubs ever again. Well, hearing you say that makes me feel really old. My memories of going out to uh, Tanjung Paga on a Saturday night is vastly different from yours. So what was that like on that same street? It was like we used to have those crazy nation parties. What? Do you guys remember? I don't no, know. We that. Don't. I don't think we remember because we don't know. Goodness. Please enlighten us. Please, yeah, Johnson. tell us. So Friday.com would organize these parties called Nation mm-hmm. and they will happen over National Day weekend. Ooh. Yeah. And then they would have parties in Sentosa on those little islands. Oh my God, that sounds so what? fun. Like Fire Island? Super always, fun. I've always wanted to go to a beach rave. Yeah. Big Splash. Yeah. yeah, it was called Snowball. That's a water theme park, right? right? 
point. Oh, oh my God, you didn't know Big Splash. So the main event for Nation would be at the Water Fountain at Sentosa. <sighs> Sounds hot already. Yeah. So you would have... 10, 15,000 that would fly in from all over Asia that would come and it would be a nighttime party with the water fountain and lights and then they would play Whitney Houston's My Love Is Your Love. Which, by the way, that's actually my favorite Whitney Houston song. Amazing dance remix of it. That's my experience. Which already sounds... You would think that with how the world is starting to change and how more liberal we are with the more exposure and representation that things would be more fun and wild and we would have more parties but for play in the 2010s that was my sort of last great clubbing night because everything started to be more downsized you don't have these kind of fun themed parties anymore yeah do you know why that is because in 04 it got banned <gasps> You guys don't know this? No, we, we don't. really don't. And we're, I, we're, you we're, really don't know we, this? I've never even read anything about honestly, it before. Like at all. Oh, yeah. just, banned by who? Just the, Wikipedia. Oh my gosh. Nation Party, Wikipedia, the whole history is that it got banned. Oh, What were the, okay. what were the reasons given? Do you want us to research it instead of you telling us? Is yeah. this a, 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 a wink little wink something sensitive. happened? Okay. All right. We're going to do that. Yeah. But this is just really fascinating. I don't want to really go into why because we all don't really know why. 377A was still on the books as it is now. Why was there some sort of paradigm shift? And I don't think, and I'm not even sure if the internet has the answers, but. I don't really think anybody has the answers to One of, Was this shows. a time when the person snipped off his pubic hair with the performance art one? Yes. Sorry, can you tell us about what happened there? There was a time where this performance artist, he got in front of a stage and he just cut off his pubes in front of the audience. So that was performance art? Yeah. Got a lot of backlash. Do you know, I'm so surprised that you guys are so clueless, which yeah. is like so shocking to me. Right. But I should have expected that, no, we, that because you, you, you weren't there to experience it. So yeah. why would you know about it? Right. But also, can I, can I just jump in there real quick? I think this is something that I'm sure like goes across the decades as well. When you grow up and, and you're afraid of your own sexuality and, and you're living in that shame and you don't want to have anything to do with it, Maybe you just want to have a hookup or you go to your um, Saturday night party at play and then you want nothing to do with being gay for the rest of your week, right? You go to school, you focus on your grades and stuff. Uh, and it wasn't until more positive portrayals of LGBT characters were now on screen, like because of Glee and then because of Lady Gaga saying, you're born this way and then empowering you to say, actually, no, these are not things that I should be ashamed of. These are the things that I'm going to celebrate because there was a shift in that period as well where I said I want to know what's going on actually with the law I want to know what is happening and, and I want to show up mm. so so it, there had to be a shift for me to then also subscribe to all these different channels and then eventually end up doing this podcast there was that click that needed to happen mm -hmm. yeah it wasn't just sort of living through that time I have a question please do you ever look at younger gays and go oh these young gays never no because I find the younger gays so woke, knowing about all the issues driving the annual Pink Dot. But it's because of what happened. We have those people who opened up gay clubs and bars back in the early days to thank because it gave gay people a place to 
congregate. And then from there, people talked and people encouraged each other. And then it kind of like became a bit more visible. So it started from that. Right, ground up. Yeah, ground up. And then we had the 2007 challenge where uh, Section 377 was up for review, Mm. right? And then they got rid of Section 377 and they left 377A which is meant for the gays on the book. So there was a whole effort to, you know, we submitted a petition. I don't know whether you remember there was even a rep. From there, we started realizing we could push it a little bit more, push it a little bit more. The effort to repeal failed, right? Back in 2007, when it was up for a review in parliament, it failed. Pink Dot was born out of that. Out of the ashes. Out of the ashes. And yet another phoenix rose in 2018. In fact, three phoenixes, I would say, uh, you being one of them. You were one of the three brave men who stepped forward and actually filed a case in the court trying to repeal Section 377A and arguing that that particular law is unconstitutional, essentially. How did that come about? What drove you to put yourself forward? The Indian Court of Appeal had just declared Section 377 unconstitutional. Because we follow the Indian penal code quite closely and their cases do have influence over our own cases here in Singapore. Because it was all inherited from the British. All inherited from the British, right? Outdated and antiquated. In 2014, there was an effort to also declare unconstitutional. That failed. In 2018, because of the Indian decision, that motivated me to also file an application. But it was my lawyer... Eugene Turai Singham, who is a human rights lawyer, he came and we discussed it and he said that maybe it's time to challenge that law again. He said, would you like to be the applicant on that suit? And I agreed. And I've known Eugene since I was eight. We were in ACJC together when the students oh, students council. I'm from ACJC. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, you look like an AC boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not a good thing. Yeah. I know, no, no, no. Yeah. But before, before that, no. Thing. Before that, I was from St Andrews yeah. actually. Oh, good for you. <laughs> so, yeah, St Andrews too. ACJC. And then you did badly. Then you went to ACJC and stuff. No, actually, in, in my time, I heard improved like. <laughs> <laughs> It was no longer from the, eleven to ten. From, from my no, no, no. Like it was like top five. In, oh and, shit! And, like, there was right. no more partying culture already. Oh, oh dear, that's not fun. Okay, yeah. so, so <laughs> back to back to less important matters. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. But we connected. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, he was my friend. He also knew that I did get advocacy work. I was actually involved in the 2007 repeal. Mm-hmm. And also, I was ambassador for Ping Dot for like, I think the second or third year. And that's why he also approached me to ask me, do you want to be the face of this? You know, put your name down and be the face of it. I'm like, okay, sure. And then two other people joined and filed their own cases as well. Correct. You have Dr. Roy Tan, retired general physician, LGBT activist, and Brian Chung, a former chief of Uga Chaga, Correct. LGBT non-profit organization. They also filed their own cases. I thought it was a good thing because then it felt like more of a team effort. It's better to have more people file. So it feels like, okay, the community wants this. So I was really glad in terms of like, oh, wow, I don't have to kind of like shoulder this on my own in the beginning. Yes, you know. Mm, And all the different councils, they all coordinated with each other in the sense of who's going to argue which part of the law and take which section. So it wasn't like there were overlaps. When the case is heard, they hear all three cases at the same time. 
Unfortunately, the High Court dismissed the application and upheld the validity of 377A. Yeah. But and then now you're currently appealing yeah. to you know the Apex Court, Correct. Court of Appeals. The hearing was in January. Oh, what was the last you've heard from there? We are awaiting the decision of the Court of Appeal. We're not sure how long that will take. Um, they usually take a few months to um, come up with the decision. Mm. Yeah. I, I just have this question because people mm. know you as you know one of the three guys who, who stepped forward mm. to challenge 377A. Did you get a lot of messages? The support and encouragement was really quite overwhelming. I think a lot of them, like, how can I help? Can I contribute money? Do you have a fund? Thankfully, Eugene and his team are doing it pro bono. So there are no legal fees to pay. So I, I did not accept any financial help. You know, you could feel like people just really wanted to be a part of it to somehow play a small role in, in trying to get rid of this crazy, ridiculous, arbitrary law. Yeah, I think every time when a challenge is made to 377A, the entire community perks up and goes, this is a chance, this could be the moment, change is in the air. I feel like from the three of us here, so we thank the three of you for really stepping forward. I'm guessing you also got nasty messages. I don't want to dwell on them too much, but... But you know you- what? All, all I heard was that a couple of my more racy photos from my Instagram were being circulated in conservative text message groups. And they were saying, oh, look at this guy. This is the guy who's challenging, you know, look at how whatever. You know. Right. Mm. Sort of painting so that not, perverse kind of way. Which yeah, they, you know, right. a little slut shaming. You know, he's like almost half naked. He has his top off. You know, he can't be a good guy. He must have loose morals. Or, but that is the very trite and very tired yeah. argument. They always do that do with that. gay men. They're always like, they're so disgusting. It's so perverse. Yeah. Why are people's personal morals influencing the law? That's another question. But I mean... <sighs> No, you're right to ask that question. <laughs> Don't hold back, Deep Kendra. Okay, Samantha. <laughs> Go for it, Kendra. Tell us what you really think. Earlier on, I talked about how a lot of gay men who are in the closet can sometimes live in that sort of sunken place where they want nothing to do with 377A and they mm. think it has nothing to do with me. I don't have to go to Ping Dot. I don't mm. have to hashtag ready for repeal. Mm. They're probably going to fail anyway. Are you kidding me? This is Singapore. Mm. Don't bother. See how law... What do you say to people in the community with that mentality? It's like the Stockholm Syndrome, right? You've lived your life not having any gay rights. So you're not going to miss what you don't know. I realized that that was sorely missing because I did live overseas in a country with very strong gay rights. I was there in San Francisco when gay marriage was passed in the US. In West Hollywood, where I would see billboards, grinder <laughs> billboards, <laughs> or like, you know, like just like gay themed literature. I would see men holding hands on the streets. No one better than eyelid, right? It was a non event. Stark contrast to where I grew up in Singapore. Yeah. yeah. How beautiful it must have been to start from the black and white stats on IRC mm-hmm. and then now everything's in Technicolor and you're with your people and you're seeing the world and then you come back to Singapore and you say we don't have to leave to be ourselves we can make that right here you're not waking up to something completely different now that you've gone to the West these are things that you've always had in you but 
you're now empowered by people who are brave enough uh, to come together. So it's mm. not about Western ideals or an agenda or bringing the West to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you're just making your home, which has always been true for you, now part of the community. Right. We are starting from a very, very low baseline. We're not trying to get gay marriage <laughs> passed in Singapore. We're just trying not to be criminals. Can you repeat for everyone who's unsure of what Section 377A is specifically? So this is from the Singapore Statutes Online Penal Code, Outrageous Indecency 377A. Any male person who, in public or private, commits or abets the commission of, or procures or attempts to procure the commission by any male person of, any act of gross indecency with another male person shall be punished with imprisonment of a term which may extend to two years. When people say, oh, you shouldn't repeal 377A because whatever you do should be the behind your closed doors. But the law Not is saying serious. that it's in private. Like, love is so much more than what two people do behind the privacy of their bedroom. You, you keep legislating our love. You keep saying behind closed doors. Number one, there's the irony in that. Number two, love is so much more than that. You don't, it's about community. It's about family. It's about everything around yeah. you. And It's about holding hands in public without having to worry yeah, about Yeah, and so I, I was just very infuriated at that point because I just, I just saw that it's contradictory. The premise doesn't even make sense. I think conservative camp has a very unhealthy fixation on what gay people do behind closed doors or I may not be having gay sex with my boyfriend or my partner you know and like you said it's more than that it's love companionship so why legislate that I think it's the purest form of, of who you are, right? It's your expression of love, which I think all of us, straight, gay, we love love, we have loved, and we want to be loved. To have a law loom over the best parts of who you are, that is what fuels my sort of activism against it. Mm. Yeah, and you know, some people say, oh, I don't want my sexuality to define me as a way to say that I don't want to be loud and proud I don't want to be publicly against 377A they say I don't want it to define me but the fact is it does define you because of the way it's legislated it is intruding into your personal life so it is a fact because of the way this country is shaped it's not a choice in that sense right and just because it's a law that isn't enforced now doesn't mean it can't be enforced which is the new argument which is the argument that has been brought up because it's not in writing it's not in the letter of the law that's absolutely correct who is to say a new prime minister or a new Attorney General would not enforce the law down the road. There is no guarantee. Are gay people uh, meant to live their lives under this cloud of like <laughs> uncertainty? Mm. You know, it's not fair. During the submissions in the Court of Appeal, that was one of the main considerations. Like, there is no guarantee for gay people in the future that they would not be prosecuted under 3778 unless Attorney General's chambers or the government can come out and say, in perpetuity, <laughs> this law will never be enforced. enforced. Yeah. yeah, but they can't do that, right? So, Johnson, are you hopeful? Do you think that I know? I know. I was That's looking into so the crystal ball and everything, but are you hopeful that it's going to happen within our lifetime? I think that's what a lot of you know what? gay people wonder, right? Is it? Am I going to live to see that change? I am hopeful that we will see the law repealed in our lifetime. It has to. To me, it's a foregone conclusion that this law will be repealed. It is a matter of sooner or later, it's going to happen. Yeah. If I wasn't confident that we had a chance for this law to be struck off our penal code, 
I would not have filed the application for the suit. So, yeah. The SG Boys, that little gay podcast from Singapore. Subscribe and find us on Instagram at the SG Boys. The beliefs, views, and opinions expressed on this podcast are attributable to its hosts only, and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, organization, company, or individual.